We've been talking or just started a new series on the fruit of the Spirit. And tonight we're going to talk about one called love. And whenever one of us get born again, guys, the seed of the fruit of the Spirit is deposited in within every one of us. Now, many times we can look and say, well, if it's deposited within me, where's it at? Well, fruit in any arena, guys, it must be developed and it must be matured, okay? It's in there, but it's going to stay dormant in there until you begin to develop it. How do I develop it? Well, there's, there's lots of ways, but one of the greatest ways is the Word of God is a fruit developer. When I begin to live by the Word of God, it'll start developing those fr- the fruit in you. And it's big for every one of us to understand that. And so fruit must be developed. Now, sometimes we say, well... What could the issue be why it's not being developed? Well, look right here in Mark chapter 4, verse 13. And I'm just going to I'm gonna bounce around in this little parable real quick. And, and Jesus said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you stand, understand all the parables? Now guys, this, this is a big parable right here. Actually, I like to call it the granddaddy of them all. Jesus is telling us right here, if you don't get this one, you're not going to get any of them. Get it or forget it, okay? That was how important this parable was. Now, for time's sake, you can read through that on your own. I'm going to jump down to verse 18, and I want to really highlight to this. Now, these are the ones sown among the thorns. They are the ones who hear the word of God. They hear the word of God. They hear the, the, the uh, kingdom news. Listen to what he goes on to say. They hear the word of God and the cares of this world, the deceitful riches and the desires for other things enter in and they choke the word. I want you to know right there what he says right here. They hear the word, but just because I hear the word, guys, that doesn't guarantee me nothing. He said, then guess what happens? The cares of the world. Now, what could the cares of the world be? Well, think about this. One of the number one things when you ask people how they are, they say, I'm busy. I'm busy. Just with everyday life, I got to get the kids to school. Then I got to go to work. And then I got a parent teachers meeting. Bobby's got a dentist appointment. I got to do the laundry. I got to, to fix dinner tonight. The dog is at the vet. And before long, all these things of the cares of the world come in. And it says it will ultimately choke the word out so you know what that tells me right there with every one of us i got to make the word of god priority in my life every day i gotta find time to get into the word every day the second thing he said that would choke it would be the desires of riches what happens when people start living for the desires of riches and we start working two and three and four jobs just to say, man, I got to have that. I got. And so ultimately, guess what happens? Pushes the word of God out. And then it says the other things. And so guess what? There's going to be all these things he just mentioned coming after every one of us. And the end result is it chokes the word out or it suffocates the word out. Now look at the end of what he says here. And it chokes the word and it... What's it? The word of God becomes unfruitful. And so guess what? He's telling me right there, there's not going to be fruit if I don't get a hold of the word of God. Verse number 20. 
But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word. See, every one of us got to hear the word of God, guys. That's Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. And so this is what he's telling us about. Faith comes by hearing. And so these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, they accept it. They remain in it. They abide in it. They live with it. And guess what it does? And it bears what? Fruit. Some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. And so guess what here? When you look at this, once again, the Word is the developer of the fruit. But i got to hear it, and i got to begin to embrace it. i got to embrace the Word of God. When I read what the Word of God says... Not only am I a hearer of the word, then I've got to become a doer of the word of God. Now, skip with me back to, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians 12. You take our focus off God, and guys, every time, guys, it'll leave you undeveloped. I don't care who you are. And so to develop the fruit that he's talking about, guys, it's going to take obedience. And I've got to become obedient to the word of God above anything. But not only about obedience, guys. When I start having, having this fruit develop in me, there's going to be tests in my life that are going to come up to prove if that fruit is actually growing. And you know what the test is? And I said this last week. You start having pressure come against you. You start having things that begin to squeeze you to see, is there really fruit in that area? And I said this. If you've got problems with patience or long-suffering, then guess what happens when you start saying, Oh, Father God, please develop the fruit of long-suffering in me, patience in me. God's going to send you to Walmart. That's what he does to me every time he sends me to Walmart. Hey, I, I promise you guys, I'm getting better. I really am. I, I, can, I can pull into the parking lot and not, not lose my salvation anymore. Or he'll put you in a traffic jam. You guys will love this. We had to run to, to Juarez the other night for a uh, board meeting. And, man, it was go and back. Just, I mean, everything within 24 hours. And so, uh, man, I'm leaving the orphanage, and I get to the Santa Teresa checkpoint. And I think, oh, yes, we're going to zoom across. And I look. I've never seen the line so far. I waited in line there an hour and a half. And my wife said to me, she said, God is getting your attention, isn't he? Oh, my gosh. So that's not the part you're going to love. We go over the Franklin Pass, and I come down, and we're getting ready to leave on that side of El Paso. There's probably 12 or 15 traffic lights to get through. And the road construction is real heavy through there, and I promise you guys, every one of those traffic lights, I hit red. And, and Shelly looked, she could see it all over me. And I would come up on them at the last minute. I thought, I'm going to run it. I'm going to run that one. And the only thing that, that deterred me from running it was I thought, what if they have those cameras down here? I don't want to get a ticket. <laughs> but the patience once again. And so even with the things of the Spirit of God, this is what happens. Now, tonight we're going to take the very first one. It's the, the, the fruit of love. If you go back and look in Galatians 5, verse 22 and 23... The very first one that's listed is love. I believe love is the cornerstone of all the fruit of the Spirit. It's the one we got to get a hold of. Now, to start with, 1 Corinthians 12, look at the very last verse in that chapter, verse number 31. And it says, 
but earnestly desire the best gifts. The Amplified says, earnestly desire and zealously cultivate. And yet I show you a more excellent way. Now the Amplified says there, the highest of them all is love. The highest of all is love. Without love, you ain't nothing, okay? That's what it's going to tell us here. Keep reading with me, starting in verse 13. And he's going to show you a more excellent way. And look what he says, starting in verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I become a sounding brass or a noisy brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love... I am nothing. And so he begins to tell us here, if love isn't the theme of my life, my focus is going to get off real quick. And can I give you a definition of love? How you treat people. Oh, that hurt. That's one of the greatest definitions of love is how we treat people. You know why that's so big? Because whether we like it or not, people are important to God. God created every one of us. And so this is one of the ways you can find out about your love thermometer. How well do I love people? Now, these next few verses here, guys, that we're going to read. Um, verses 4 through 8, actually. I believe if we would get these in our hearts... This would eliminate all marriage, all, all divorce. Not marriage, it would eliminate all divorce. Dear God, we don't want to eliminate all marriage, do we? It would eliminate divorce. And what I mean by that, guys, I believe that if we would begin to speak this over our spouses, speak this over ourselves, you want to really step out? Grab a hold of your spouse by the hands and you guys speak that to each other. What are you talking about? Well, let's just go ahead and read this. Verse 3, he goes, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Now, this is what I want you to see. Love suffers long. Love suffers long. Now, when I read that, it's really pronounced this way. Love suffers long. That means it just keeps on loving and keeps on loving. Keep reading with me, and I'm going through them real fast. And he goes on to say, And love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy, love does not parade itself. Love is not puffed up, it does not behave rudely, does not seek his own. Love is not provoked, love thinks no evil. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Now you want to take it to another level? Every place in there where it says love instead, why don't you put your name? <clears throat> Matt never fails. Matt endures long. Now let me read this to you out of the message and listen to all this in it. It's really easy to understand in this. It says, love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first. Here's a good one. It doesn't fly off the handle. It doesn't keep the score of sins of others. It takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. 
It puts up with anything. It trusts God always. It always looks for the best. It never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Love never dies. I've told you before, when I read the Word of God, I can tell you many times, it's annoyingly accurate to me. At times I look and I think, man, Father God, those are high standards, yeah? But I don't believe God would have ever told us to do these if they weren't possible. He wants us to get this on the inside of us. And so the fruit of love has got to become big in every one of us. Now, look back to the book of John, chapter 21. John, chapter number 21. I want you to begin to see some things in here tonight. That will help every one of us in this area of, of love. I'm going to read starting in verse 15. John 21, verse 15. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. Now the word love there means to be fond of and to care for affectionately and to cherish. Verse 16, Jesus said to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all these things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Now, after each time, you can go back and look. After each time, Peter said, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus told him, that you're going to have to do something. Jesus told him, actually, you're going to have to be something. Now, when you look at this, the thing he was telling him to do, you've got to become the ultimate shepherd of my sheep. And what did that mean? Not just what are you going to say, but what are you going to do? How are you going to treat people is ultimately what Jesus was getting to. He said on that first one, feed my lambs. He said the next time, tend to them, feed them. In other words, you got to just take care of people. And so many times our focus is on us. That's why it's important as a believer that we start allowing the fruit of the Spirit come in here so we can grow. So many times in our life, we can't even take care of ourselves. But right here, God's saying, you got to begin to do something, guys. And you know what love is? Love is a verb. You know what that means? It's got to have action. Love's got to be expressed in my words. Love's got to be expressed in the way I treat others. Now go back there just a couple pages to John chapter 13. John 13. And you're going to see another one in here. Verse number 34. John 13, 34. Jesus says here, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Now, not only does he tell us the new commandment, but he tells us how we're supposed to do it. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. Now, the, the willingness to love one another, Jesus was the example. Now, I want you to think about this. How did Jesus love us? Unconditionally. He said, I'm going to love him. I'm going to lay down my life for him. And this is what he begins to tell us here. And, and he presses us here beyond our natural inclinations. I'm going to tell you that right now. The love that Jesus is talking about isn't a human love. 
It presses us beyond anything that we could ever do. And I'm going to show you some things beyond our natural inclinations here in a little bit that you'll begin to agree with that. Now keep reading what he says in verse 35. By this, by what? Our love, all, all, all mankind will know that you are my disciples. How? If you have love for one another. So he's telling us here a new standard. You know what it is? Servant-like. This is the true witness, guys, that the world will know. That's a Christian right there. They don't know you're a Christian because you got a bumper sticker on your car. The world doesn't care how many versions of the New Testament you have. They want to see action, guys, and that's the problem. Many times the, the worst black eye we can give Jesus is to profess to be a Christian and then treat people ugly. You know, years ago, we had a young girl who worked at Texas Roadhouse, the steakhouse down here. And she would tell me, she'd say, Pastor, if I'm not on church on Sundays, I'm working. And I said, I bet you like to work Sundays. You'd probably get great tips. And she looked at me and she said, actually, it's the worst day of the week. She said, Christians are the rudest and the worst tippers that I have to deal with. I thought, oh, my gosh. Remember one of the characteristics of love? It says love isn't rude. Love doesn't do things, you know, that are, that are ugly. And this is what it's talking about here. And, and so I believe this, guys, our love's got to be on display because when love's on display, it becomes the focus. You start becoming a lover even in my own life. When I prefer other people, guys, it changes everything. And the love I'm talking about is I've got to love God, I've got to love myself, and I've got to love others. Each one of us, we've got to get to that point where we allow the love of God. And you know what? It is awesome to begin to say, Father God, fill me with your love. Fill me with the fruit of love. Now, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. You're going to get squeezed even in that area. You're going to get the opportunity to walk in love. And you may go into a restaurant and they may throw food all over you. But you're still going to have to walk in love. Now, I can tell you that. I can tell you stories about that my whole life. Until the last, I don't know how many years... I can go into restaurants, guys, and I don't know what it is. But I've had numerous times where the waiter's foot catches on a chair. And they heave a whole platter of stuff, and it'll hit me. Ten different times. I mean, I've had nacho cheese in my hair. I've had tamales roll down my neck. This is one of the better ones that I was at a P.F. Chang's with my son. And Shelly got up to go back to the bathroom. And so we're sitting in this booth right there by the, the bar. And this little bartender, man, he's mixing drinks and he's shaking them. And so I was intrigued with what he's doing. And he's got this bottle. And I mean, he's shaking a pipe. And the next thing I knew, the neck of that bottle snaps. And all of a sudden, here it comes. And it's this cherry junk. And it splats all over me, my face. My, and I look at him. And I'm telling you, my thought was, I ought to whip you. And my son rolls out, and next thing I knew, there's about five attendants. And they got rags, and they're cleaning me up. And Shelly comes around this corner, guys, and I probably, she bows over laughing. She loves it. It makes her day. Now, this is the truth, guys. And so I was with a man in our church one day. And the waiter, he's back there talking, and he's got a pitcher of water, and he starts pouring. He misses the glass, and the whole thing's going down my shirt. And so I looked at him, and I'm telling and right there I thought, now I started asking God to help me walk in love. You're talking about having to walk in love. 
I had a little girl one night. She caught her foot and she flung this thing. And I remember french fries hit me, mustard, ketchup, and a chocolate shake. And I'm sitting there and I look up because you know your first thought is they did it on purpose. Well, she didn't. When she sees my face, she cries. She starts crying. She loses it. And so here I am with mustard and everything. And all the people at the table, they're rejoicing. I got up and I started helping her. I said, darling, it's okay. It's okay. All this can clean up. And the manager came out and he's irritated at her. And so I caught him. I said, listen, buddy, it's okay. It's all right. Don't fire. Don't do that. I'm okay. And you know what the good thing about that was? For the next year, anytime I went in there, they would caught me. Whatever you want. They would pet me. And so once again, guys, I got to learn to walk in love just like, and things like this is what happens. Now, I'm not saying you're going to get bottles thrown at you in that, but there's going to be things that are going to try to squeeze every one of us. The moral of this story is if you ever go out and eat with me, don't sit on the same table with me or the same side, okay? Let me tell you one more. Now, I better move on. This is a good, my wife will say, move on. Go to the book of Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. These are things that I'm talking about, guys. That when you begin to say, Father God, develop that within me. You start talking about develop the fruit of love in you and you're in your marriage. Guess what's happened? Your wife or your husband's going to come home and go off on you. You're going to think. And then right there, the Lord's saying, I'm going to develop that fruit in you. I'm going to develop that. Now, this is what I talk about here uh, uh, beyond our human inclinations, guys. This verse right here. Verse number 43 of Matthew 5. Let me get there. It says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But Jesus says, or challenges, he says, but I say to you, love your enemies. Now, this wasn't multiple choice, guys. This wasn't if you want to. This wasn't if they deserve it. This was a command here. Now, you know what? It's, it's easy for me to love my neighbors and people I like. But when you start talking about loving our enemies, that takes it to a whole new level for every one of us in this room. And not only does he tell us to love our enemies, listen how he tells us to do it. Bless those who curse you. Bless them. Whether that's in deed or even in your prayers. Now, I'm going to tell you guys, any time in my prayers that I've had to bless people, Man, there was times I had to do it by faith, guys. Everything within me, I didn't want to pray to bless them. I wanted to pray God send Brutus and break their legs. But it's a step of faith. You know what the step of faith is? I go ahead and step out and I say, Lord Jesus, I'm going to begin to do this by faith. And I can get pictures in their, in their mind of who they are. I mean, I can get pictures in my mind of their faces. And I can begin to say, Father God, bless Jose. Blessing. And there's times within me, it takes everything within me to even say that. But as I step out in faith and begin to do what the Word of God says, before long it begins to settle me. And before long, I can do it with a sincerity. I can begin to pray that. That's the start. That's a thing of love too. But look what he goes on to say. Bless those who curse. Do good to those who hate you. How many of you know somebody who hates you right now? Don't raise your hand. See, probably every one of us. But what did he tell us? See, this is beyond human inclination right here. You're saying, man, he sets the bar high. Do good to them. 
How many when you see people that you, you, you don't like or they've done something to irritate you at the grocery store, do you go to the next aisle? You know what that's a sign of? You probably hadn't forgiven them. You've been there, Pastor, I have. Look what he goes on to say. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you here. Now, an enemy, guys, can be an ex-spouse. It can be the rude clerk. It can be any of these things. But right here, we we, we got to move forward. Anything that causes aggravation or pain, we still got to obey this. We're not exempt. And he says in verse 45, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust. You know what that tells me right here? God indiscriminately sends rain on the just and the unjust. And I believe right here when I read this, is Jesus' extension of love tells us the same thing. Just as Father God rains on the uh, unjust and the just, you must indiscriminately show love to your neighbor, but also your enemies. Look what he goes on to say, verse 46. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? The message says you love the lovable. Do you expect a bonus? Not going to happen. What reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And so you begin to see right here, guys, this is why love is called one of the fruits of the Spirit. It's going to take the Holy Spirit within every one of us to help us live in love and walk out love. I'm going to tell you guys right now, in my natural abilities and your natural, you could never do this. You would never do it. But that's why we start saying, okay, Holy Spirit, if the fruit of love is from you, then I'll start welcoming. Help me. Help me to walk in love. Now, I'm going to end with this one. 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. I believe Jesus' idea for every one of us was an all-inclusive love that seeks the good to all people. Now just begin to pray this, guys, and you watch. God will move you in an arena that you've never been in, just as far as your love walk. Have you ever arose or arrived there, Pat? No, I'm still working, man. I'm a work in progress right now. But God will help us when I continually say, okay, Lord, develop that in me. Develop that in me. 2, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Begin with me in verse 1. But know this, in the last days, perilous times will come. The Amplified says, great stress and trouble. One translation says, it'll become difficult to be a Christian. Listen what the definition of perilous means. Harsh, savage, difficult, dangerous, painful, fierce, grievous, hard to deal with. The the word describes a society that's barren. Now, when I read that, guys, I begin to look at the society we live in right now. I believe this is a warning that these times, they come. We can't change what's going to happen in time, guys. This stuff is going to go down, okay? But I believe Jesus is... Don't get caught up in this. Don't get caught up in this. Now, the next two verses here, guys, Paul, uh, he offers a catalog, a list of selfishness like here. Look what he says in verse 2. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money. They'll be boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unloving, 
unholy, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than loves of God. So he's telling us here that the character of people will be that of self-centered. And self selfishness just over and over again. This is how we begin to live. Look what he goes on to say next. Having a form of godliness. Having a form of religion. But denying its power. And from such people turn away. Now remember what we read a minute ago in John 13. They'll know you by your love. And so we can talk as Christians. But it says this here that we take on the former Christian, but the power is denied. I believe part of the power he's talking about is the indwelling and the overflowing of the Holy Spirit that comes on the inside of us, and he begins to birth this love. Now, what did he say at the end? Taking on a former Christian, but the powers are denied. And because of this, it causes many to turn away. I believe the fragrance that will win the world is the love of God through each one of us. I believe the thing that will change our marriages is the love of God. But it all starts from this, guys. I've got to have the fruit of love. I've got to begin to get that in the inside of me. Now, what happens? I've got to ask God, okay, Holy Spirit, begin to work this on the inside of me. Begin to, And every one of us in here, we, we know our strengths and we know our weaknesses. And I'm going to tell you right now, the devil goes after our weaknesses. He doesn't go after your strengths. He knows of areas even in your love walk that I can pull their chain and it'll set them off. You know, even in my marriage, I know after 32 years of marriage, I know what makes Shelly tick and I know what ticks her off. And in my life, you know what I've tried to do now? I tried to avoid the things that tick her off because it's so much better when I do that. But you know what? It's still a walk of love. You still got to keep walking. I don't care who you are. This never ends. The love of God never dies. And so guess what? As long as you're on this planet earth, I got to live by what Jesus told me. And guess what? We're going to have enemies the, the whole time we're here. There's going to be people that are going to aggravate you. There's going to be people that cause you pain. And so guess what? I either live by what Jesus told me, or man, I get run over by life. Stand up with me. You guys are real thrilled about this tonight, aren't you? I don't know if you're thinking. I don't know if the rain has got you comatose or what. 